Thanks, Angie. It's great to see all of you here this morning. I see that there are people that have traveled the long distances to be here this morning, this weekend. I think some from California, some from Whitehorse or Yellowknife? Whitehorse? Some from Denmark. Anybody else? Merrickville? Merrickville? (laughs) Canada? We're really glad that you're here um, today. And just want to highlight that tonight, we're going to be singing a lot more carols, and we're going to light up these candelabras, and we're just going to have a wonderful evening. I expect lots of people to be here, and so really encourage you to be part of that. We're making a donation tonight, unless you mark your envelope differently. The donation tonight will be going to a group called Lionhearts. And that's the group that we're associated with that provide us with the opportunity to go and get baked goods from Cobbs every Saturday night. We were there last night, and they had a lot of bread. That bread is available to all of us this morning. There's nowhere else where that can go at this point. All of the bread's been delivered to the missions and to all the other locations. We have buns that are out here by the dozens. There's buns by the dozen in the, uh, in the kitchen area. We'd love for you to take them home, and uh, we need for you to take them home because we don't have space to keep it all, and otherwise it will be wasted. So we'd like for you to make, take advantage of that. This will be changing in the new year, but I just want that to be, you to know that. So if you want to pick up those, there'll be some out here, and then go into the kitchen. I need for all of you to take like a bag or two home with you and uh, put it in the freezer or give to your friends. We're hearing great stories of how you're blessing your neighbors, and that's part of what this is too. So that'd be awesome. One other thing I want to mention is that today, today only, two for one on baked goods from our cafe. So if you want to pick up some of those, uh, pick up a coffee and a couple baked goods. That would mean you'd get four, but if you want two, just get one, and then the other one's free. You know, see how that works? So um, that would be, uh, be awesome. So if you can do that, that would be great. Okay? Need this room to be filled with energy this morning. Need to be excited. Some of you are. Perfect. There we go. Awesome. Great. What a great day to be together. As we close the service this morning, I want to give you a heads up that I'm going to invite those of you who want to dream again afresh and anew, that God would restore us again afresh and anew as we finish out 2023 and as we move towards 2024, that God would renew us again. And so I'm going to invite those of you at that time near the end of the service, if you'd like to come and just want to pray that upon yourself, upon your family, that God would restore you again, it's time that I'm going to invite you to come. So I just want to give you that as a, as a heads up. Festivals attract crowds, and crowds make noise. They make lots of noise. While I attended, while Julie and I were actually at Asbury Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, it was the seminary's privilege for us to host this annual festival, it was an outdoor festival of Christian music, which brought people from all over uh, the US and Canada to hear the most current rock bands and all that was going on in that arena as far as Christian rock. It was a fantastic um, time together. We lived several miles away from the venue site, but let me just say that we didn't need to actually buy tickets. We could hear it quite well from our place where we were. 
And that small town, seminary town, would swell to triple the size as between seven to 10,000 youth from the continental U.S. and Canada. Mainly young people would descend upon this, this, this festival, which, which was called Ichthus. One year, I had the privilege of being the coordinator of the team that prepared and distributed communion to all, the, all of the participants. So we actually had to fill little Dixie cups or little plastic cups with the juice, 10,000 of those, and have all of the bread ready for all of that, all of that group. It was, a, it was amazing. It was a great time. It was a time full of uh, lots of noise, and that's where I used uh, earplugs because it was, it was so noisy. In the middle of the lives of those concert goers, they left their lives where they were, they got up and they headed for three days to this, to this concert venue, and then when the concert was over, they made their way back to life again, to where, what they had left behind. The people loved the opportunity to talk about their favorite music and to escape probably some of what was going on in their lives back home. And just for a brief moment, or for just for a, a, a little time, they had an opportunity to count their blessings. Hopefully in this season, you're finding time just to pause and to count your blessings. You'll have time between this morning service and this evening service, if you're coming back, those of you who are joining us online, you'll have opportunity even this day just to pause and to count your blessings. It was an exhilarating and exciting, and all at the same time, it was a little surreal. The psalm that we're going to look at speaks of a people who have been doing life, and then they're taken away to a far-off country to live in exile for many years. What was that like? Some of you can imagine this, because for maybe a short period of time or for a longer period of time, you feel that you've been in this state of in being in exile. You found it hard to dream. You found it hard to imagine what life could possibly be like. And God wants to speak into your situation just like he did through this psalmist as they wrote this psalm. And this is what they said in, in Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Do you remember any of that? Do you remember having that sensation, that feeling, even this morning? Psalmist goes on, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. As you have read, perhaps the story of the children of Israel, or let me remind you this morning, that the children of Israel knew good times, they knew bad times, they knew great times, and they knew devastating times. In order to understand the psalm, you need to understand a little of the history. 
In the book of Isaiah, we're reminded of the story of exile, which, is, which has happened to the children of Israel, of God's people being forced to leave everything that they knew, marched out of their homes, and away from what they understood as the very presence of God, they were removed from that. And walking the long road into the treacherous, oppressive captivity of Babylon, everything you've known has been destroyed as you look behind and see your town on fire. If you can feel the weight of that moment, then you have a taste of the experience of living in exile. And some of us this morning have the taste of that because we sense this morning that we are distant from God. We're distant from the God that we once knew, the one that we once loved, And this morning, you sit here wondering, where is God, and how can I be restored? How can I be renewed? How can I feel that feeling again of what I once knew? The psalmist speaks about the story of coming back from exile, and there's pain and there's difficulty. But we're also reminded of the comforting promise that God has not left them alone in exile, hasn't sent them there just to leave them there. And from the voice of a prophet came a promise that God would bring them home again. But imagine, for 50 years they lived in exile. For 50 years they had dreamed of going home. And when they finally did, when they returned to Jerusalem, Psalm 126 was one of the songs that they wrote so that they could sing. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, then we were like those who dream, the psalmist sings as he plays his instrument. When God brought us out of Babylon, when the Lord brought us home, when we were restored, then we could dream again. Why is that? Because in Babylon, Well, no one has dreams in Babylon. Maybe it is this morning that as you are here and as you're sitting here and as life seems to be passing you by, it very well may be that you're one of those people who don't have a dream. Maybe it's been in the distant past. Maybe you were living the dream of someone else. You're missing that dream. The beginning of this psalm paints such a beautiful image of returning home, of seeing the future days again, the return of laughter and joy, the the free flowing of wine and festivities, of being restored and renewed. In fact, scholars believe the psalm is, is meant to be prayed when ascending the road to Jerusalem, putting yourself in the place of the exiles, climbing that long road back one foot after another as you move yourself towards the top and you look over the crest of the mountain and you see home. And suddenly, you begin to breathe again. Some of us need to once again learn to breathe in the presence of God. To dream again. The Lord has done great things for us, they sing. 
When was the last time you mouthed those words? The Lord has done great things for me. To be full of gratitude for home. You know, for me, home has just such a beautiful feeling to it. And I know when I say that word for some of us, when we say the word home, it's, it's not such a great word for you. But for me, it is. It makes me think of my college days in Spring Arbor College in Michigan, near Ann Arbor, away from home for the first time and coming home that first October. The air is crisp. It's exciting all of the way. I cross the bridge over Windsor, from Detroit into Windsor, and I see the Canadian flag. And for just a moment, I am filled full of pride as I make my way home. I'm driving down the 401 to my hometown in Kingston. Last exit, right turn, left turn, right turn, right turn, up the hill, and finally, just a kilometer down the road. I can see it before I get there. The farmhouse, the barns, I see it all. And even before I land there, I'm, I, I, I smell the farm. I'm home. I turn into the driveway, I pass the big maple tree on the left, and I'm home. What a great feeling and sensation that is, to be home. Sometimes in the never, ever land, we find ourselves between here and there. And it might be this morning we have this sense of maybe being in Babylon or somewhere between Babylon, that place that takes people into exile and the place where God wants us. I just want you to know this morning that, that you can come home to know afresh and anew what it means to be invigorated by God. Psalmist says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, then we were like those who dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. It's such a beautiful, beautiful and, and, and visceral psalm. But if we pay close attention, it is the grammar of the psalm that sinks us into the depths of the psalmist's heart. When the Lord, uh, when the Lord restored us, we were like those who dream. It's all in past tense. When the people of God returned home from exile, it was a marvelous day. They had an opportunity to dream again. They had a dream. But something changed now since that moment of returning home. You see, coming home after 50 years in captivity is not always a picnic. It is not always a walk in the park. The experience of returning home doesn't always live up to your expectation. I don't know about you, but after being away for three years at college, I thought I, when I came home that I would intercept or intersect my home environment the same way that I left it. Guess what? It had changed. I was very sad. <laughs> they moved on without me. I thought, Mike, you know, Mike, I thought I'd just merge back in and just be the Mikey of old. No, they said it's time to catch up. Things have changed around here. It's harder than we imagine. 
I mean, how many times in the past couple of years we've said those words, when this is over, things, when things get back to normal? Normal. People want to return to normal. The children of Israel wanted to return, and they loved to return, but their normal was not the same anymore. Home isn't always what it used to be. Returning to normal isn't, is not always possible or even desirable. You see, we know more things now. The people of God coming out of exile are not the same as they once were. Some of them had made their home in Babylon. And you know what? They actually liked Babylon. The rest of you can head on back home again, but we're quite okay to stay here in this state in which we are. And if somebody asks them, do you still dream dreams? No. I, I, I don't dream of going back there. Some were born in Babylon and have never known of this home that their grandparents speak of. And when they do get home, the evidence of 50 years of war is littered all around them. Everything is still in ruins. Other people have moved into the land and they've made it their home. And so there was a lot of friction among the people returning from exile. Resources were scarce. There was greed and idolatry and inequity and oppression were awaiting them when they got home. In this psalm, what was a joyful memory at the beginning, now in verse 4, becomes a desperate plea. Lord, do you remember when you restored us before? And we started to dream again. When you rescued us from exile and you brought us home, do you remember that? And they say, we need you to do it again. We don't have those dreams anymore. See, the world has gone and the world has moved on. Somehow we've wanted to clasp it and we've wanted to put our arms around it and just say, hold on, this is the way that I've always done this. And God is saying to the children of Israel as they move out of being in exile, like we have had to move out of exile, like we've had to move out of our state of sinfulness and move towards a holy God, we've had to say, God, I need you to restore me inside out so that whatever it is that you call me to, I'll be ready and prepared to go into that. They hadn't had a hope of a dream. But now that they're back home, because they've had this dream before, because God has restored them before, and God is faithful, the psalmist refused to be without a dream. And we as God's people refuse to be a people without a dream. There is this expectation of noise this morning and as we celebrate the coming of Christ, of God, uh, through Christ, his son, we recognize that he wants us to dream again. And he wants us to make some noise about that. The psalmist knew that the people of God could not come home and return to the same old, same old ways of doing things. 
And so the psalmist remembers with joy who our God is. He is a God of restoration. And then he asks God to be faithful to who God has been. Restore us again, O God, where water rushes through a desert, desert where ter- tears turn to laughter, when the dry seeds become a harvest. Restore us again, O God, so that we might be like those who dream. Isaiah the prophet in 61 dreams that the people of God in this post-exile life together. He dreams that there would be good news for the oppressed, wholeness for the brokenhearted, liberty and release to the captivities and to the prisoners. And it very well may be that this morning that you find yourself in one of those places where you feel like the prisoner or you feel captive to the things that are around you and God wants to release you and to set you free. Does anybody want to be free this morning? God wants his people to dream again. Two weeks ago, Pastor Grant spoke about John the Baptist being the, being the promoter. And John the Baptist has a dream, a dream that there is one who is coming, that is who, who is among us even now, who will be the light of the world. And in some ways, these characters and more in the Advent season are all dreamers. They're demanding and they're responding and they're proclaiming God's call for the world to be different than it is right now. In fact, we are all under this biblical mandate to dream, to dream of a new world than what we're experiencing as we look out on it upon it now. The world that is yet to be created. We are called, even commanded, to be those who dream. To never give up on the possibility of what God can do with the tomorrow. To never lose soap. Uh, hope for the future, to never let go of our God who has restored us in the past and who remain faithful to us in the days ahead. Restore us, O God, is the call of the psalmist. And I'm pleading with us this morning that this be your call. Restore us again from the inside out, not from the top down, but from the inside out. What would it be like if we had those kinds of dreams, God-sized dreams, dreams that we can't do possibly on our own? It's time for us to ask the question. It's time for us to dream. How is the world? Are we happy with the way that the world is? Are we happy with the smaller sphere of how our world is? How is he calling you to dream, to be different than the world right now? Can we possibly imagine what a dream, a God-sized dream would be in us this morning? That would be for our community, for yourselves. I know that the psalmist holds enough faith in his heart as he writes this psalm, not only for himself, but for the people down through the the generations and down through the years and down to us today. The the promise of, of Scripture and the hope of Advent is this. God is faithful and God will restore us. 
either in this life or in the next. God will not let the suffering and the pain and the devastation that has made us in these days continue to have the last word for us. At this time of year, we consider just for a moment that God breaks yet again into our world with the good news of a Savior who is born for you. And he will be the Savior of the world to restore us again. So we plead this morning, as we make noise, we plead again, restore us again, O God, one more time, so that our mouths would be filled with laughter and our tongues overflowing with shouts of joy. So that all nations and all people of the world might proclaim the Lord has done great things for all of us. Restore us again, O God, so that we might be like those who dream. I wonder what that might look like. I wonder what that might look like for you. I wonder what that might look like for our church. I wonder what that might look like for our community, for our nation. As I look at humanity, as I look at what's happening in our world around us today, I plead with God, again, restore us. Give us the ability to dream again, even in the midst of all that's going on in our own lives. I'm just going to ask us to bow our heads. As we do that, in a moment, I'm just going to give you the opportunity to come forward and just to, uh, to either stand or to kneel at the altar this morning if you've lost your dream kind of feel like the light is flickered out kind of feel like perhaps this morning you are somewhere between Babylon and somewhere close to him but you want to be close to him I'd love for the opportunity just to pray for you this morning and to recognize that there's still room for you. Father, during these few moments that we have together and in a moment just for the closing prayer, I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts and to our lives. Help us to know and to experience all that you have for us. I can't help but think that there are individuals that are here this morning who have been living a long time without a dream. They've been living a long time without you. This Christmas Eve day could be that day. So Lord, speak to us as we have opportunity to come before you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.